0: Hey
1: Zach. How you doing today, Jack?
0: I'm doing wonderfully. Just enjoying the beautiful Florida weather, the beautiful Florida action. Uh, Really can't complain.
1: Yeah?
0: I imagine it's the same with yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been here. (laughs) Anyways, uh,
0: we have a special guest today, Robbie Straczynski uh, from the Top Hair
1: Poker Podcast. Yeah, as well as from Card Player Lifestyle Magazine. How are you doing today, Robbie?
2: I'm doing great. It's not It's not a magazine. It's only online. I don't want to take credit for something I hold in my hand, but uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks uh, so much, guys, for having me on the show. Of course. My pleasure.
1: Yeah. So uh, we heard you had a juicy home game last night and played some uh, some crazy games, so you want to tell us a little bit about one of those games, one of
2: those hands? Sure. So um, I play uh, in my dad's home game, and you know it's dealer's choice. Every single hand is a new game. Um, and one of the games that we play, we call it SHOP, uh, which stands for Simultaneous Hold'em and Omaha Play, S-H-O-P. Uh, so basically, each player is dealt six hands. Usually you can only uh, you know, play the six-handed uh, properly. Um, so each player is dealt six cards. And before the flop, uh, what you're supposed to do is basically split your hand up into both an Omaha hand, uh, Omaha High, uh, and a holding hand, so like a two-card uh, hand and a four-card hand, uh, and then you're not allowed to change uh, mid-hand. You know, once you've set it, that's where you're. You know, that's where you're at for the duration of the hand. Um, so it's pretty cool, and uh, we play it no limit. Actually, uh, I think it should be played pot limit, but we play it no limit. It's uh, kind of nutty. It's a, it's a fun. One of those funky home games you always hear about. Um, so I was thinking, what could be cool is sort of to discuss um you know one of the hands that i got and you know how do you decide how to split it sometimes you just have some interesting dilemmas uh, and i'd love to hear what you guys think um you know what well, we have a little joke always oh, what would robbie do i always say that but i'd be just always to hear uh you know what other people would do uh based on your expertise both in holdem and, and omaha what makes sense uh in terms of the split Alright, that sounds really fun.
1: Yeah, um, and just to be clear, is it a split pot, so the person who wins the Hold'em Hand gets half the pot? The person who wins the Hold'em Hand gets half the pot?
2: Exactly. Cool. Okay. Alright. So, uh, we are playing five-handed, and, uh, well, it doesn't really matter at this point, but uh, I was dealt um, uh, Ace of Spades, Seven of Spades, Seven of Diamonds, Eight of Diamonds, the Ten of Clubs and the Three of Clubs.
1: Hmm. So what I'm thinking here is just I have a few general questions about how the game goes before deciding sure. on what to do. Typically, mm-hmm. do people uh, give themselves a good hold'em hand and a decent Omaha hand or alright Omaha hand or give themselves a great Omaha hand and a bad hold'em hand? Like, What is the general tendency? Because I think for a game like this, the kind of metagame and mm-hmm. uh, kind of culture around the home game is going to be a lot more important
2: uh, right. Well, it really, you know, like, like a lot of things in poker, it sort of depends who you're sitting around the table with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it it, you know, it, all, it even depends on the player. Like, some player may just go ahead and even decide to switch gears. Like, the, they'll even have constructed an image of, oh, okay, knows how to play hold, hold them well, so they'll always put the aces on top of the dealt two aces, uh, and then decide one time to just sort of change things up and surprise us. You know, so it's a little bit of a... You know, you're a little bit unsure. In general, I would say this crowd that I play with enjoy playing Omaha more than Hold'em. That's not necessarily to say that they're better at it. <laughs> Just a point them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my first thought is that it probably makes sense based on how the pot is split to normally give yourself uh, the advantage in Hold'em. Just because mm-hmm. it's uh, a lot... Well, no, it's it's actually interesting because of the fact that it's a no-limit game, uh, but I think you know it's a lot easier to sell, give yourself a big equity edge pre-flop uh, mm-hmm. in Hold'em than in Omaha, uh, which makes me think that you should really I mean if if you have aces in both games you know or if you have if you have to choose between which hand you're putting your aces in. I would say right. you're, you would always be choosing
1: hold'em. Okay. Yeah, it really it it depends on a lot of things. It's also the type of mistakes people make post flop. I would guess in a game like this, people are making significantly bigger mistakes post flop in Omaha. So mm-hmm. having something like nut spades, where you'll be able to get it in uh, against you know king high flush draws, queen high flush draws, and, and flushes, uh, mm-hmm. becomes a lot more valuable because. You know, I think as a general rule in like live, low stakes uh, poker, people, uh, you know, especially in the United States. I know you're not in the U.S., but you know, yeah. everyone's from the U.S. I guess. Uh, right. So they they're gonna have a lot more experience with hold'em, and even if they're not necessarily like understand the fundamentals of hold'em better, just because they've played it longer, uh, mm-hmm. they're gonna kind of make less fundamental errors. Uh, so that actually makes me kind of inclined to do something uh, like most of the time, really load up my Omaha hands, and then only really load up the Hold'em hands when I can make it a premium. Mm -hmm. Um, So, first off, just a disclaimer, you know, I've never studied this game, and this is kind of just me (laughs) kind of spewing off, but I think it's an interesting thing because I hope to find myself in home games like this uh, in (laughs) in, in the future, and even if it's kind of uncharted territory, I think if you you know, approach any game of poker with the kind of fundamentals that uh, you would approach uh, the game that you know better with, Uh, if you, you know, think about it thoughtfully, you could still probably have an edge and even a big edge in games like this. So my initial thought was uh, for the specific hand to give yourself, you know, the ace-seven spades Mm -hmm. and the seven-eight of diamonds uh, in your Omaha hand Uh um, and just kind of throw away the ten three of clubs in your hold'em hand mm-hmm. uh, because you're going to be able to, you know, have dominating draws with your, okay. your nut spades and that people are going to make a lot more errors in terms of, in terms of putting all the money in. Um, mm-hmm. But I could see, you know, a lot of value in when you have aces and kings and queens kind of like always putting that in hold'em and putting your ace-king of spades in, in, in the hold'em hand.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Jack, what are you thinking? Hmm. I think part of what,
0: I guess, the ultimate goal of this game would be to be able to scoop the pot. I'm sort of yeah. trying to find uh, what strategies you might be able to use to create two hands uh, that can win together. It, it seems like a very difficult prospect with uh, your particular cards. Right. Um, which which definitely makes me think that you you're probably best off uh, sort of scrapping either the hold'em or the Omaha hand. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess I mean your highest equity hold'em hand would be sevens. If. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, I think it's Zach's Omaha hand. I'm not much of a PLO player, but that, that hand sounds like probably the best you could do with the mm-hmm. Omaha range. So, I, I mean, it really just depends on which of those hands you think you're likely to win a bigger half pot with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Also, what's important here is, you know, I'm kind of under the assumption that it's very likely this pot's going to go multi-way. But a few questions, like, uh, you know, I think scooping the popping is a lot more likely when you feel like you could narrow... You know, narrow the field to heads up or three players, and if you're only playing five-handed, it seems somewhat likely. And then you're kind of maybe not wanting to always load up on one hand, but especially when there's more players. I'm guessing the optimal strategy for here is actually not to try to scoop the pot, it's to try to you know win one half of the pot, a good percentage of the time, and Mm -hmm. have hands that dominate other hands, especially in the Omaha half of the pot. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the question is, how deep are stacks here? Uh, You know, how many big blinds and you know, what are, it, is it likely that you'd be able to narrow the field? Are you in position here? Like, you know, there's a, there's a lot, kind of a lot of factors at play where uh, I kind of still like what I'm saying, assuming it's going to go four or five way, but if you can get it two or three way, it could be best to kind of put sevens or uh, seven, eight of diamonds in the holding hand.
2: In the holding hand, interesting. And kind of have middling well,
1: hands in both and be able to, you know, play in position and kind of play poker
2: right. after the flop. Right. Interesting. Well, I mean, it, uh, it certainly depends, like, the, the the extent to which someone is deep-stacked depends on, you know, at what time of night uh, this is being played. You know, usually at the beginning of the night, everyone just sort of bought in, and, you know, it could be that someone will call this game, and, you know, you're relatively shallow-stacked, and, and towards the end of the night, it obviously becomes a much more deep-stacked game. What I will say, though, is this particular crowd, you know, you're pretty much never going to thin the field pre-flop. You're almost going, you know... Mm-hmm. All, always going like, you know, full uh, you know, like a family pot or, you know, four out of five handed to the flop because, you know, more times than not, you know, they'll figure, like you said you know, you'll have either a decent hold'em hand or a decent Omaha hand and no one wants to miss out on their chance for half uh, the pot God, also, this sounds like such result. a great game <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> I do love it I do love it yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, what are going to say? No, no problem um, what I will say, though, is often for that reason, you know, it's either a hit or miss sort of thing, so if you're you know, you pretty much know on the flop whether you still have a chance you know, on either of them and if you don't, then you almost always are ending up heads up once you're at the turn, uh, you know, at, at that stage or something like that, sometimes to be handed um, you know, I found it also very interesting that you know, you two, uh, you had different opinions as opposed to like, with, with regard to the holding hand uh, I think Zach said it would be, uh, you know, taking the A seven of spades for the hold'em hand, and uh, oh, and Jack said uh, the pair of sevens, correct?
1: No, uh, I, okay. I I said that, uh, you know, assuming that it's likely to go multi-way and people are going to make bigger mistakes post flop, you want to kind of just scrap uh-huh. scrap the hold'em hand, and okay. give yourself the Omaha A seven seven eight, give yourself the ten three uh-huh. and the hold'em, but actually okay. the stack depth I think is really important, so. For this particular hand you're talking about, what mm-hmm. uh, what what were the stack depths? What were the approximate stack sizes?
2: Um, I don't know. I'd say I don't know 150 big blinds, something like that.
1: Yeah. So it's tough because even though you have a hand that kind of looks nice, you're definitely kind of in like the middle bottom of your range here. Uh, mm-hmm. and the, the two best things you have going for you are the you know the nut spade draw, right, and the you know. Uh, pair of sevens, seven eight mm-hmm. of diamonds, especially if you put it in the whole in the Omaha hand. Even though I, I, I still probably recommend it, given what you've said. You know, mm-hmm. that's a hand that could be very easily dominated. So you want to tread very carefully uh, with any type of draw, whether it's a flush draw or a straight draw, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. So actually, now that I'm, hmm, I mean, it's just it's really tough without you know studying studying the game and like looking at people's right. ranges. Uh, I I don't feel really confident in in any starting in, anymore. Okay,
0: mm, I I actually. Uh, well, I do think we definitely should keep the sevens together. Uh, well,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's on top or on the bottom, you so. say. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, uh, that was...
0: I, I think that a nut flush draw in the Omaha hand is going to be more valuable in this game on its own than it would be in a normal PLO hand, Mm. Uh, just because you're likely to get action when you hit the flush uh, from hold'em hands, Mm -hmm. where when you hit the flush in the PLO game, you know, a a lot of savvy players aren't going to put in very much money with the King High Flush. You don't necessarily have to worry about it as much, not getting uh, your equity with that hand. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Then again... The other interesting thing when you start thinking about it like that is that um, you don't have to worry about dominating hands as much in the PLO game as you would normally because you can get action from holding hands, Mm -hmm. which is sort of really confusing to think about. Uh, So I think because of that, um, I'm going to go, I think the way I would split this with what I know now is uh, using Zach's hold'em hand, so Ace Seven Seven Eight. Uh, so you'll have connectors, the nut draw, and a pair. And I think that you're a lot more likely to scoop a big pot with, you know, a middle set type hand in the Omaha game than you normally would because you're getting action from hold'em hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that you just you don't have any very strong hold'em hands, so I think that having this somewhat versatile Omaha hand is going to play best, even though I think that it's it's just really not a, a very good hand in general. Right. Yeah.
1: Also, something I really like what you said there, Jack, um, I think an optimal strategy in this game would actually is likely generally bumping up the Omaha hand, kind of despite what I said before about always putting premiums in the hold'em hand, because in the Omaha hand you're going to just be more likely to make a better hand. So when you have like a nut-type hand or a very good hand in the Omaha hand, you can really put a lot of pressure on the hold'em hand that to fold if well, you don't have the nuts.
0: Well, no, 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 no. You're The hold'em hand... Oh, it's and, two different uh, boards? Yeah, it's, well, it's two different like games.
2: No, 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 no. There's one board.
0: Right, right, right. It's one board, but you... you flop
2: a turn to the river.
0: Yeah, but if, if someone has the nuts in the hold'em game, mm-hmm.
1: they're never going to fold... No, but if they have the second nuts in the Hold'em game, and you have, like, the third nuts in the Omaha game, and you bet very aggressively, or is it two separate pots?
0: It's, like, two separate
1: pots, right? Oh, oh, okay. So, then so if you have
0: the best Hold'em hand, it doesn't matter. If you get to showdown with the best Hold'em hand, it doesn't matter if it's better than the best Omaha hand. You still get half the pot, right?
2: What are you asking me? right. Yeah, yeah, of course, like it's right, basically right, right. like the, yeah, you're competing, Hold'em hands compete only against Hold'em hands, Omaha hands against Omaha
1: hands. Yeah, but is, is it one pot or two different pots?
2: It's one total pot, and so, you end up just splitting it.
1: So do you see what I'm saying, Jack? It's like, if you have a very good Omaha hand, you can bet a lot of money, and if you don't have the nuts in Hold'em, you can feel pressure because they're representing the nuts, but representing the nuts in Hold'em and Omaha, it's ambiguous. That's what I'm kind of talking about.
0: I, yeah, I don't know if I agree with
1: that. Like, let's say you have, like, a third nut-type hand in, in Hold'em, uh, and you have a junk Omaha hand. Uh, so you're only kind of would be calling for half the pot, and now you have another player who is betting very aggressively and representing a better Hold'em hand than you, uh, as well as, you know, a, or, like, a nut-type Omaha hand. You're in kind of a really bad spot in the same way you'd be in, like, an Omaha high-low game. Um, I just think it's so hard to have
0: a good Omaha hand and Hold'em hand in this game that I likely, uh, would, I mean, I, I, depending on board texture, obviously it's different, but I think I'd be very unlikely to fold a strong Hold'em hand in this game to aggression.
1: Yeah, and you, I think, I think there would likely be some mistake, uh, in the same way that, like, Doing so in an Omaha high-low game, especially a PLO high-low game, PLO, uh, would be a mistake. But let's let's move on. We both, you know, I think we need to really study the game a little bit more, use some software before we can make a definitive statement about that.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, if we'll have a hard time maybe finding software for this particular game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe we can create I- it.
2: Can I propose a question for you guys? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so here's one uh, that I find interesting also. Like you're talking about, um, you know, going for this hand or going for that hand trying to, you know, strengthen it. Uh, the fact is it is a split pot game. I'll just tell you a strategy that I sometimes take, and I'm hoping that no one else in the game is listening to this, <laughs> uh, is, is uh, you know, like you said, load up on one of them, let's say, make the best, like, or, and, and sort of go for broke. It's basically like, you know, Choose choose my battle. I'll I'll be willing to commit a little bit of money uh, pre flop just to sort of see what happens on the flop. And then, like, you know, bombs away or something like that, um, you know, to basically scoop. You know, if someone doesn't have a really, really strong or, you know, nut uh, uh, Omaha hand, and I've already got, like, the nuts, let's say, you know, I use that ace seven on top, ace of spades, and I flop the flush, I already don't, I know I don't want, like, a. uh, like uh, a boat to come or something like that because someone could potentially have you know two pairs on the on the bottom on the omaha so i'll just go you know bombs away try to scoop is that you know what what do you think of a strategy like that to just sort of like you know go for broke on one hand pre-flop if you hit you know great if not then just fold and and live to play another hand in order to scoop specifically
1: well, I, d- I definitely like the kind of first part of that sentiment. I think the example you used about when you have the nuts getting drawing hands to fold, I don't mm-hmm. like that, especially in a no-limit game. Uh, you know, you want them to make an incorrect call when you have a good hand and then just absorb the variance when they hit. Uh, mm. but, in, but in terms of scooping, uh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the strategy that I outlined, and I imagined if I were to study the game more... Uh, that it's often correct to load up on the Omaha hand for a variety of reasons because uh, people make bigger post flop mistakes in Omaha and you make just stronger absolute hands so you're able to use more pressure um, uh, put more pressure on an, uh, a hand that a player that has a holdem hand that's winning versus uh, a player that has an Omaha hand that's near the top of their range.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Cool
1: uh so so what did you do and and why did you do so for this particular hand
2: how you it uh, i'm not supposed to tell you that <laughs> <laughs> um okay so uh what i did end up doing uh actually i believe is what uh, zach suggested uh right um and you know i, I sort of threw away the 10 three on top mm-hmm. of like the clubs, and you know just went went for like the pot strongest possible i've got my double suited uh plus the pair of sevens on the bottom uh you know hoping that the uh that the uh, nut flush would come for me, or you know I'd hit like a potential boat, you know like, obviously like set the sevens, and you know sometimes it happens I get lucky with a ten three you know otherwise you just sort of like play that half pot, and that's it, a...
0: yeah, I think we're on consensus here uh, i mean i don't think there's anything wrong with i mean maybe it's it would look weird in the context of the game i don't think there's anything wrong with folding to an open, uh, but if it 's the kind of game where people. You know, it's just generally you limp to the flop. Then I, I'm, I'm pretty happy
1: limping this hand uh, as divided. Especially in position, I honestly, I think if, if it goes like raise. So we're playing five-handed. If like the, you know, under the gun hijack player raises and the button calls, and I'm in the small blind here, I'm just folding this hand pretty comfortably. And something to talk about here, like I'm guessing in the culture of this home game, there's not a lot of 3-betting that goes on in this game, nor is there a lot of raising to large sizings, but the, kind of the best way to really uh, gain an edge in this game, I'm guessing, would be isolating and playing heads-up. Uh, because players who are already making very large mistakes post-flop are going to be making even bigger mistakes post-flop uh, in a heads-up pot, and you could be very likely to win the whole pot a large percentage of the time, especially when in position. In a game like this. So I would be exploiting this game by probably playing uh, a tighter range than everyone, but playing significantly more aggressive with lots of large opening sizes and preflop three running.
0: Yeah, I think it's Mm -hmm. when you.
1: I think the nature of this game is that when you get to
0: showdown, you're very unlikely to take the whole pot. Uh, Okay. So.
2: Right, assuming, yeah. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, uh Yeah, I do. Yeah, I guess I agree that. It, this is probably a game to play very aggressively in, uh, especially in this sort of home game where people probably aren't spending, you know, a ton of hours on the game out, outside the, off the table. So probably being very aggressive and trying to use the leverage from one hand to try and scoop the pot, even if you have a total garbage hand and you're probably expecting to chop if you get the showdown, it's mm-hmm. going to make a lot of sense most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so, and yeah, Zach, I, I understand more why you were saying earlier that uh, have, it's easier to have, have a lot of confidence uh, in an Omaha hand, uh, where it's a lot easier to get the nuts. Uh, I guess I think I, I had an aversion to that because I was sort of already thinking that you would have to defend, you know, top pair type hold on hands a lot more aggressively uh, because of the presence of Omaha hands betting. Uh, but I think the, the fact that a lot of players won't be thinking like that and will be reluctant to call off-hands like top pair for half the pot when that aggression could be coming from an Omaha hand that's not in direct competition with the hold on hand makes uh, having a stronger Omaha hand better.
1: Yeah, and then you know you're going to have strong draws, so you can really do a lot of semi-bluffing with impunity. Uh, when you load up the Omaha hand. I also imagine that, you know, my default assumption about these players would be that they're likely way too loose and call-happy pre-flop, probably <laughs> slightly too loose and call-happy on the flop, uh, assuming it doesn't go, you know, a million you know, re-raises and three bets, and then, right. you know, fairly weak tight and not defending enough on the turn in the river. So as a result, you know, when you have an so Omaha they, hand I mean, that has I mean, significant I mean, equity, uh, you have a lot of really great uh, barreling spots.
0: Yeah. Hmm. This is really fun. Yeah.
2: So, cool. Well, I'm so happy you guys are enjoying this new game. Yeah, yeah we should play some. Play, yeah. yeah. But I'm like totally scared to play against you now. <laughs> our, you know, more than everyone else. <laughs>
1: this is just a show for the podcast. Don't yeah.
2: worry. Yeah, sure. No problem.
0: Anyways, so yeah, if, if you'd like to, we'd love to
1: you know, talk about how the hand actually went down yeah, uh, what was the, afterwards. What was the pre-flop action and what cards came out on the flop?
2: Oh, this, okay, now that I don't know because I didn't really hit, and basically I folded once the flop came, I don't remember it, I just know that, you know, clearly I had no chance of, of getting anywhere and I wasn't gonna, it's the kind of thing also, because everyone's sort of in, you kind of assume that someone's already got the nuts or near nuts, Uh, you know, when the flop hits, so, like no one's really like fishing, uh, unless you're like really super deep stacked and the money doesn't matter to you or something. So I, I just ended up holding, and I, I'm sorry, but I just simply don't remember. Uh, oh, uh, I, I think,
0: uh, think that's okay. I mean, I think we've already, we, we've we have done what we came here to do already uh, <laughs> in terms of, you know, strategic thought and analysis. Mm-hmm. So, uh, cool. yeah, we really, really appreciate you sharing this game with us. Uh, we're excited to try okay. it in our own home games, and, you know, we'll have an edge once it starts getting spread in casinos, you know.
2: yeah. <laughs> I sure hope so. That'd be really cool. I'd love to play it, but only pot limit.
1: Yeah, this reminds me of a different game. Um, I'm trying to think. It's called Swingo, and um, I think it's only been spread a few times in kind of the high limit games in Vegas, and this was a few years ago. And for all the listeners that know this game better than me, we'll look it up. Forgive me about this description, but you're basically in like similar in similar spots where you can kind of have multiple different hands at once and the hands of other players come into play for what your final hand is. So you can get in a lot of spots where you're like, your hand is only strong when you keep this person in the pot. So you make bets to keep that person in and then bets to keep the other person out. And there's like, I think games like like that, which is a lot more complex uh, and but also games like this, where there's a lot of this like meta game and thinking what their range is and what how they're choosing to mm-hmm. to to do what they want, it can make for some really fun play. And especially if you know the people, you know, like in our experience, playing just kind of a no limit home game is fun enough with all the leveling. But the leveling in this game uh, could just be so much fun. <laughs>
2: Well, I will say is that uh, you know I've been playing with them, my dad and you know a bunch of his friends and you know they become my friends over the years as well. I've been playing with them probably for close to a decade now, and you know win lose it's always you know fun. But you know no matter whatever happens, I always have a great time, and I was you know I, as you had mentioned at the beginning, uh, Robbie of the Top Pair Home Game Poker Podcast. I just love playing the home games, so you mm-hmm. know, it's certainly uh, fun. And of course, it's always a little bit more fun when you win. Yeah, of course.
1: well, do you want to talk a little bit about your, your podcast, the other stuff you're doing? make a, make oh, a shameless plug for the listeners?: Yes.
2: Shameless <laughs> plugs. Thank you. Well, if I, ru- if I run out of time, the first thing I'd like everyone to know is you can follow me on Twitter at Cardplayer Life. It's exactly how it sounds. Uh, just you know I'll just briefly run through it. Um, I own the Cardplayer Lifestyle poca blog, cardplayerlifestyle.com. Uh I've been doing that for over six years uh, or so. Um, and, you know, slowly but surely trying to get myself a little bit of a voice, both uh, well, as a writer as well as a publisher of uh, other uh, good poker writers' uh, articles, uh, op-eds, news pieces, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, please feel, please feel free to go and visit. I actually published something today which has kind of got the poker world buzzing uh, about the rake increases of in poker stars where I just sort of like, you know, say the buck stops here, enough of that. So you're welcome to read that. And people seem to be uh, supporting that. Mm-hmm. Um, At the Top Pair Home Game Poker Podcast, that's you can find us at toppair.net. Every couple weeks, uh, my co-host and I, Bruce Briggs, we discuss topics uh, similar to these not necessarily in-depth hand analysis, um, but we talk about uh, sort of just issues that affect home game recreational players of like, you know, uh, what sort of chips to use, what sort of, uh, you know, cards, supplies, uh, situations that may come up as a host. How do you deal with them? You know, when the police come to the door, how do you deal? All all these sorts of things, and you know, payments and paying each other, uh, organizing the game—all these interesting things that you know. Anytime you run a, a home game, they happen, but no one really goes into it. So uh, we do that every couple of weeks, and uh, you know, so that's fun. And and it's basically, every other episode, we also interview someone from the poker world. You know, we've got we had quite a few interesting interviewees. Uh, some of the poker news writers have come on. Uh, a couple of other uh, poker book writers uh, like uh, Eric Raskin who wrote The Moneymaker. In fact, we had uh, some great players. We just had Ronnie Barda uh, on the latest episode, uh, so it definitely makes for a good listen. And I've got uh, two more things. I've got the Poker Notes Live Mobile app. I do. I do a lot of poker stuff. Uh, poker Notes Live Mobile app. It's basically you know how when you're playing online, you can take notes. Now you can play, take notes when you're playing live, just using your smartphone pretty straightforward, and uh, you now you're allowed to do it, uh, you just don't reference it in the middle of a hand. <laughs> uh, and the last thing I do, uh, if anyone's familiar out there with Poker Update, uh, you know that's owned by the company that I work for full-time, and I am uh, sort of one of their on-air presenters, and I do a pretty cool weekly show called The Burn and Turn, and that's just sort of meant for fun poker entertainment. So that you can find at pokerupdate.com. Thus ends the shameless plugging of Robbie's presents. Yeah, who you can cool find stuff. at Card Player on. <laughs> Man,
1: I'd love to have a pitch like that someday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Robbie, thanks so much for coming on and uh, sharing that awesome game and hand with, with us. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, this is our first non no limit hand that we've discussed on the podcast.
0: At least part, not no limit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no limit hold'em hand, and I think it's definitely going to be hard to top that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh,
2: maybe, maybe next time I come on, I'll you know do another even more interesting hand. But I'll just uh, you know I'll try to encourage everyone out there. You know, hold'em is great, Omaha is great. Play some mixed games once in a while. You know, mix it mm-hmm. up. It's pretty fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. i to work on my pot limit hold'em for this game.
1: I hope you enjoyed our first non-hold'em hand on the podcast. We really appreciated having on both hosts of the Top Pair podcast and hearing about some really interesting home game hands. Check out Jack's new series on the website about the beginning of his journey in learning PLO. Also, if you sign up now for our mailing list, you will receive free early access to the first episode of our new premium podcast series, the Just Hands Premium Podcast Series, Grinding 2-5 at Maryland Live. Watch out for the whole series, which will be up by Sunday. Thanks, and see you next Tuesday.